Hey, it's good to be together, whether you're watching on our online campus or whether you're here in person, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Hey, we are in week two of a brand new series that we're calling Peeled, and we're spending several weeks going through what's known as the fruit of the Holy Spirit, found in Galatians chapter 5. Now, remember, last week we talked about a couple of things as kind of an intro, and then we talked about the fruit of, or the, the characteristic of love. The first thing I wanted you to remember was this is the fruit, singular, fruit of the Holy Spirit, not fruits, so there's not nine different ones where we can pick and choose. No, there's one fruit, and it's just being described with nine different characteristics. Second thing I want you to remember is the premise of the series. We're calling the series Peeled. Very important that you understand that and that you hang on to that, because when life peels us apart, when we're physically, well, when we're emotionally, mentally, or spiritually opened up in life, when things don't go our way, when we don't get what we want, when we're up against something big, when we're peeled, the Bible says what ought to come out are these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the things that ought to be leaking out of our life when we're peeled apart. Now today, we want to focus on the second uh, characteristic of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is joy, joy. Now when I think about joy, I think about the first mission trip I ever led. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Can I see your hands if you've ever been on a mission trip? All right. First one I ever led, I took a group of high school students to Jamaica, Mon. That's a pretty, a pretty tough place to go, right? Well, we went to do a vacation Bible school. And I, I don't remember a lot, you know, it's been a lot of years ago, but I remember two things, two things that I'll never forget. Uh, one was every day these 10-year-old little girls would walk into the church and they were just covered with sweat. Now, it was hot in Jamaica, but not in the morning. And, 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 and so they would come in and they would just ask you know, for a, a cup of water. And so we began to, you know, to kind of talk about their story. And what I found out was they walked four miles every day. That's why they were sweating. They, were walk, they walked four miles just to come to our vacation Bible school. And I tell you, they just sat, there, not one complaint about the walk, not one complaint about being hot, beautiful smiles just exhibiting this, this overflow of joy. And I remember that, I remember that. Second thing I remember was the worship in Jamaica. Now, I, I grew up in the Catholic church. We were very high church, very liturgical the church that I was serving at the time, we had the second largest pipe organ in the state of Ohio. Oh, so that was very liturgical, very high church as well. The worship in Jamaica was a little different. It was reggae, right? So the steel drums, the steel drums started going, the keys started playing, the women started swaying, the men started clapping. And, and, and I remember the song that started worship. I've never heard it. I mean, this is like 25, 26 years ago. Never heard the song since, but it had such a profound impact on me that I'll never forget it till the day I die. This is the song that opened worship. J-O-Y, joy, joy in the Lord. J-O-Y, joy, joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Joy in the Lord. And then they all went, ay, 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 ay. And then a dance party broke out in the church. 
they were laughing and clapping. And, and then, I mean, I'm just kind of taking it all in. And then the mamas of the church saw me. And the mamas knew that I was the leader of the group. So the mamas came and they drugged me up to the front of the church. As we sang it again, I joined their dance party. So I'm dancing and I'm bouncing and they're laughing because I can't dance at all, right? And it was one of these, one of these moments where I just thought, Lord, what are you showing me? These, 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 these two 10-year-old girls who had to walk four miles to VBS, and I sometimes complain about having to drive 10 minutes. And this church of people, these brothers and sisters who hardly have anything, but, but they have this abundance of joy. God, God, teach me to have this joy. And, and, and it's one thing to read about joy. It's one thing to sing about joy. It's another thing to have it. So I want to ask you this morning, do you have it? Do you have this joy of the Lord? That's, what we're, that's where we're going to go because the Bible says you ought to. The Bible says you need to. The Bible says if you're connected to Jesus, the natural out, outpouring is joy. I mean, that's, that's what happens. If you're connected to him, joy ought to be flowing in your life. Now, I'm not talking, are you happy? There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Ha- happiness, now I'm, not, I'm not saying, are you happy? Ha- happiness depends upon what happens. <laughs> you know, you, you know I, I mean, like, if your bank account is good and you're physically healthy and you have the home that you're living in and you find $20 in the laundry, someone bakes you a coconut cream pie, you know, if, if, if those externals are good, then, then you are happy because happiness depends on what happens. But, but then what happens when the externals go south? What happens when the things around you don't go like you want? I, I read about a man who was jogging in the park one day, and as he was jogging, he noticed this elderly man sitting on a bench just weeping uncontrollably. So he, he stopped and he walked over and he said, hey, what, what seems to be the problem? And between sobs, the old man said, I'm married to a, a 28-year-old supermodel, and she greets me every day at the door with a martini, and she cooks me this gourmet meal, and, and she cleans up. I never have to clean. She tells me how lucky it is that she's married to someone like me, and she puts ESPN on for me every night, and she rubs my feet before I go to bed. Some of you are saying, woo, right? And, 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 and the guy said, well, that sounds awesome. What, what, what's so, why, why, why are you crying? Why are you so sad? And in between sobs, the guy said, because I can't forget, or I forgot where I live. I can't remember where I live, right? And it was one of those moments where, you know, it's like happiness depends on where you live. Joy doesn't depend on where you live. Joy doesn't depend on what's going on around you. Happiness comes from the outside in. Joy comes from the inside out. Happiness is temporary. It can change. Joy is eternal, and it doesn't go away. Let me show you what joy is all about. One of my favorite passages of all the Bible about joy, look at Habakkuk chapter 3. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, 
Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will, what's the next word? Rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be, what's the next word? Joyful in the God of my salvation. That, that's it. Even though the externals, even though everything around me is gone to pot, I, I still rejoice. I still have joy. Now remember, you, you can't just white knuckle this. You can't just go, well, I just got to I got to buck up and I got to just get more joy and I got to study more and I got to pray more and I got to just, I got to create more joy in my life. No, remember what Jesus said. Stay connected to me. Keep our relationship healthy and joy will flow. The problem with joy is, is you have an enemy. <laughs> you and I have an enemy. There's a parasite. There's a disease. There's a leech that attaches itself to the vine. And is there somebody out there trying to steal your joy? Yes. The enemy. And so if you and I don't have this joy flowing in our life, we ought to check the vine. We ought to check, all right, is, is, there, is there an issue in my life? Is there a parasite in my life? Is there a disease that's robbing me of what ought to naturally be taking place if I stay connected with Jesus? So I want to remind you today, again, this isn't a list where I'm going to give you three things to do so you can go get some joy. No, no, I just want to remind you of three things that you have. And when you and I focus on these three things that we have, I, I, I think joy will, will be overflowing in our life. So here's, here's the first thing I want to remind you. I've got joy this morning because my past is forgiven. Amen? Man, I, I've got joy because my past is forgiven. Do you know the name Simon Kenton? Does that, he's a pioneer from a long time ago. So Simon Kenton was 16 when he got into a fight over a girl. Well, he, he beat the guy up so bad he thought he died, so he, he fled. He, he lived as an outlaw. The, the guy got better, but Simon thought he had died, so for the next 31 years, he lived and changed his name, tried to create an, a new identity, he became a frontiersman. He, he, uh, he, he was caught by the, the Indians, and he had to run the quarter-mile gauntlet nine separate times, but he survived it. Many people would die just once. He was abused. He... He, he once saved the life of, of Daniel Boone. He, he's a very interesting man. But Simon and his wife Elizabeth went to Ohio in 1808. And, and while they were up in Ohio, um, he came upon a camp meeting, a revival meeting. And, and he and his wife stayed for several days listening to the preacher and these hundreds of people who were worshiping Jesus. And after one of the sermons, one of the nights of worship, he asked the preacher if the preacher would take a walk with him into the woods. And as they got away from everybody, Simon Kenton turned to the preacher and he said, listen, I'm going to share with you, with, with you some things that, that, that I hope you will keep private. I hope you will never tell anyone. And the preacher said, well, if it's only stuff that has to relate to you and me, then, then I pledge my secrecy. So Simon Kenton, fully aware that the pastor would be good to his word, he just unloaded and he began to talk about his life of sin, how he had done horrible things, how he had abused different people, how he had killed several men. And he began to break down saying, I don't think God could ever have mercy on someone like me. I hear you sing the songs and I hear the people receive the word, but I just don't think God could ever do that for someone like me. And the preacher spoke to him privately about the grace and the love of Jesus and both men dropped to their knees and the preacher prayed that 
that God's mercy and grace would wash over Simon Kenton. And something happened in that prayer to such a degree that after the prayer, Simon Kenton jumped up to his feet and began to yell with joy and went running back into the camp. And, and, and as the people of the camp gathered around him, he began to just tell them, he said, at last, at last God has forgiven me. At last his grace is on me. I can finally join the family of God. And Reverend Maxie <laughs> strolled in a few minutes later. And as he listened, he said, Simon, I thought you and I were going to keep this matter private. And Simon Kenton shook his head and said, no, no, I feel, I feel it's too glorious for that. If all the world were here, I would tell the world of the mercy and the goodness of God. There was a man who fully understood what it was like to have his past wiped clean. Now listen, no one had to tell me, no one had to lecture me about how sinful I was when I came to Jesus. I, I knew it. I knew it, right? I had said things, thought things, done things that had totally cut me off from a holy, righteous God. Now, before you think I was a grave sinner, I, I, I thought I was a partial sinner. My, my sins were, were trivial and, and, and cute, right? Like, like, I didn't, wasn't like this guy, but yeah, I might have said something or thought something, but, but I was told that the Bible says, man, one sin rots you to the core. One sin contaminates you from a holy God. One sin separates you from ever. And then the good news of the gospel is that God loved me so much, he sent his one and only son, that no matter how deep, how wide, how long my sin was, that, that Jesus died on the cross and his blood covered my sin. And I began to hear the words of of David when David said in Psalm 32, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. So I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, is there anybody here today who knows how wonderful it is to be forgiven? Man. Yeah. It's like you're on death row. You were walking towards that death chamber and then the call came and someone said no. Man, free that man. I've been acquitted. I've been set free from a, an eternal destiny separated from God. I, I've been saved from the righteous wrath of God. And the words that overwhelm my soul this morning are the words of Horatio Spafford. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not a part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And that's why I've got joy this morning. The world didn't give that to me. The world can't take that away. That is not temporarily lived, that is eternally celebrated. So, I mean, I've got joy this morning based upon, I mean, I've been set free from a, a sinful past. But it goes more than that, it goes beyond that. I've also got joy because my present is an adventure. My past has been forgiven, but my present is this epic adventure. When you read the scripture, you find something very interesting. When people encounter God, 
when people run into Jesus, when they have this meeting, most times, man, their life changes. Their life was lived one way, they met God, they met Jesus, and now their life turned, and it now is totally lived a different way. Very often, God the Father, Jesus the Son, would call people, right? God said to Abraham, follow me. God said to Moses, I've got a job for you. God said to Noah, I need you to build an ark. Jesus said to James and John, drop your nets and come with me. Jesus said to Paul, it is me that you're crucifying, and I've got another plan for your life. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, man, you begin the greatest adventure you will ever know this side of heaven. And here's why. Because before you you came to know Jesus, you used to live for yourself. Now you're going to live for him. You used to take shortcuts, and now, man, oftentimes you're taking the long way home. You used to be the driver. Now you're the passenger. Now, you know, you know how scary it can be, depending on who's driving, to be a passenger, don't you? If you ever go to teach your teenagers how to drive, you know that little handlebar right there on the side? You, you know it's a little scary turning the wheel over to someone else. Well, it, it happened to a car salesman in a 2013 Pepsi commercial Pepsi hired NASCAR champion Jeff Gordon to pull the prank of a lifetime. If you think turning the controls over to someone else, being the passenger, is an easy thing, watch this car salesman get faked and pranked by Jeff Gordon. Take a look at this. So I was thinking a little more age on me, some wrinkles, a little dorky, maybe some facial hair. It was somebody that I can pull off a, a fun prank with. <laughs> Let's go have some fun. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool cam cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. Hey, I'm Mike. Steve, nice to meet you. Mike. Oh, you're sort of Garo. Oh, no, no, no. This this way too much car for me. I'm Well, it's a lot of power, but they designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I, I tell you what, I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> what are you driving now? Oh, just a minivan. Oh, yeah. yeah what am You're I not signing obligated. here? You sure? it's, it's just a checkout sheet for a test drive. You're not obligated to anything. It's just so we know who's out. Let's go give it a drive. Are you getting a little nervous. No, I'll be right there beside you. There are your keys, sir. Thank you, Steve. You'll have to unlock it, Mike. Oh, yeah. thank you. There we go. Oh, yeah. What a car. Mm -hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car. Slow, or at least slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop! 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 Watch it! Watch out! You're gonna wreck this car. You're liable for it if you wreck it. Mike! Stop the car! Right now! Get up here! 
Yeah, right over there, Steve. Oh, you're an idiot. I'm gonna kill you. Oh, stop, stop, stop! Oh, God, I'm fighting! No, no, you don't understand. It's not what you think. It's not what you cops. think. No, it's just a prank. We're just having fun. Look, this is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh. Sorry. Can we do it again? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear his last line? When he found out who it was, he said, do you want to do it again? Right? You know, when you ask Jesus to come into your life and you begin this epic adventure and you move from the driver's seat to the passenger seat and Jesus starts to drive your life, you, you want a comfortable ride. So Jesus, take me to this kind of house, or take me to this kind of life, or take me to this kind of job, and as long as Jesus drives slow, and as long as Jesus drives where you want him to take you, life is fine. But I'm telling you this, you, you follow Jesus very long, and there comes a day when you wake up, and all of a sudden he does a couple donuts. And then instead of going the way you want him to go, he goes, he goes somewhere else. And you begin to sit in that passenger side seat going, oh, no, slow down, slow down, Jesus. No, 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 take, take the car back, T take, take us back. You're, you're going to be liable, you're going too fast, that curve's coming too sharp, slow down, hang on. And Jesus smiles and he just says, buckle up, buttercup, we're going, right? And, and, and I'm learning I'm learning that there are things in my life that I want and places that I want to go to and things that I want to do. And what I'm learning is, man, God's in control. And I just need to sit, and instead of closing my eyes and being fearful or bitter or resentful, I just need to say, okay, you've got the wheel, let's go. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and look back as I'm standing in front of Jesus knowing that he has been faithful and he's brought me through. I don't want to look back and go, oh, could we go back and do it again? I, I want to enjoy the ride now. Look at Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you. Not just in eternity, but now. There is a joy. There is a joy that in this life, man, we can say, God's got it and I trust him. God's got it and I trust him. Would, would you just repeat that after me? God's got it, and I trust him. Okay, let's say it like you really mean it. God's got it, and I trust him. That's how the adventure is supposed to be lived, right? Because he knows how to take the sharp turns. He knows the road ahead. He knows what's coming up. He knows how to drive my life, and he never gets lost. So when a detour comes my way, when life seems to be coming way too fast, when it goes a direction that I didn't expect it to go, when the doctor says, it's not good, I can say, God's got it, and I trust him. If you're having family dysfunction, 
and it's the kids or it's your parents, you can work through that and you can say, well, you know what? God's got it and I trust him. When the finances dry up, when your fiance calls off the wedding, God's got it and I trust him. When the investment goes down the tubes, if you get the coronavirus, God's got it and I trust him. Man, are are my feelings going to be hurt? Yeah, probably. Am I anxious? Maybe. Is, Is my happiness level down? Absolutely. But I hang on. Pull the seatbelt tight because I know God's got this and I can trust him. So, so listen, I've got joy because my past has been forgiven. I, I've got joy because in spite of the ride, God's got it and I trust him. And the third thing I want to remind you of is, man, I've got joy because my destination is secure. Oh, man, it just keeps getting better. I've got joy because my destination is secure. Now, listen. Friends, heaven, heaven, it is not a mythological place. It's not a fable. It's not a fantasy. It's not a cross my fingers and hope it's true. Man, it is the literal dwelling place of the Lord Most High. It is a place where the air will breathe is love and joy and peace. It's a place where beauty never fades. It's a place where the angels sing. It's a place of never-ending reunion. It's a place of no more hunger, no more sorrow, no more anger, no more pain. It's a place of exploration and travel, one wonder after another. It's a place of perfection. It's a place where we will once again walk hand-in-hand with God. Man, it is real It is your home. And listen to me, when Jesus gets in your car, that's where he's driving you to. All these little things in life, college, work, career, who you marry, all those little things are just drives that gets you from here to really your real destination, which is heaven. And I want to remind you what Jesus said about your final destination, about the the road trip from here to there, right? The very last night before Jesus was crucified, man, he had that last meal with his disciples. I want, to rem- I want to remind you what he said. Look at what he said in John chapter 14. He said, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is, what's the next word? Ready. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So that you always be with me where I am. Now I gotta, I gotta tell you, I've read that passage hundreds of times. But one day I was reading it and my heart stopped on those four words when everything is ready. And I just burst out in this deep, overwhelming sense of joy. Because I want you to remember this, the day, the hour, and the second when you die has already been determined in heaven. I mean, the day, the second, and the hour when you make the final stop, as Jesus is dro- he, he is going to drop you off at heaven's gate on a certain day, a certain hour, and a certain second. And that, that date's already set. So people get all freaked out. Well, when, when will I die? If you've got a relative who, who is not doing well, when, when are they going to die? When everything is ready. When, when am I going to go meet the Lord? How? When everything is ready. 
When everything is ready, he will slide up to those gates, the door will open up, and you'll be escorted, man, right into the home that you've been longing for. Now, I've got joy knowing that my destination is secure, not because I'm a good man, not because I've lived a good life, not because I'm a preacher. I have this joy that my security is, is solidified because I've surrendered control of my life to him. There's, there's a rental car company. I'm not quite sure who it is. They say, if you need a rental car, we'll pick you up. <laughs> no matter where you are, we'll, we'll pick you up. And that, that is so Jesus. That, that, that ought to be his slogan, right? Addiction Alley, man, he'll pick you up. Depression Drive, man, he'll pick you up. Broken Boulevard, he knows where that street is. Loneliness Lane, he's been there a time or two. Self-righteous Circle, he's picked up tons of people from that location. Materialism Manor, he knows the way. No matter where you are, he can pick you up. But listen, you got to call on him. you got to whisper his name. you got to get in the car. you got to let him drive. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I'm just here today to remind you, you can't drive yourself to heaven. No other car companies deliver to heaven. But you call on him, and you give him your life. Let him unwind. Let him untangle. Let him untwist your life. And when that happens, man, you have this joy, not happiness, You'll have this joy knowing when everything is ready, that car will slide up, the door will open, and I will be in the house of the Lord forever. So listen, I'm not giving you anything to do. You can't create joy on your own. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, I want to remind you, if that connection to the vine is healthy, Man, there ought to be a joy flowing through your life. A joy because you know your past is forgiven. A joy because you know my present is an amazing adventure. He's got it and I trust him. And a joy because you know when everything is ready, man, you will walk in his house forever. Now, if you're not a Christian, man, you don't have any of that. But that's available to you. If you just give your life to Jesus and you say, you know what? Take me where I am. And he, he will forgive your sin. He will slide into that car and drive and he'll drop. But you, you've got to come. We had a baptism today between uh, first service and second service. We had a fellow who came and said, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready for my past to be forgiven. Ready for my present to be an adventure, and I'm ready for my future to be secure. So, friends, listen, as we sing this last song, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be standing right under that cross. Come talk to me, and let's, uh, let's get you connected to the vine so that joy can flow through your life. Let me pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for reminding me that the world didn't give me any of what we just talked about. And the world can't take it away. Jesus, that all comes from you. God, the, the, the joy that we've talked about this morning is not based upon what happens around me. It's based because of what you're doing in me. 
So no matter what, when, how, or where I'm peeled, I can leak joy. Thank you for the joy. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.